what if there were a fountain of youth pill that could add decades to your life? Would you take it? Unlocking the Fountain is a podcast about the mysteries of aging and the scientific quest to slow, stop, or even reverse it. When do you think we're going to have the first 150-year-old? I think that person's already alive. Unlocking the Fountain. Available now on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. Hi, I'm Dr. Brian Goldman. Welcome to The Dose. For those who've had two doses of the COVID vaccine, and we know that a lot of you have, today we're asking, what does science say about getting a third COVID shot? Who needs one and why? Hi, Isaac. Welcome to The Dose. Hey, Brian. So what's it like to walk around protesters when you're going from (laughs) one hospital to another? So for those listening, I was late. We were supposed to meet at 4 o'clock and I was 4.15 because I had to take alternative routes because there's mobs of people outside of the Toronto General Hospital. I think it's fine. I don't know. I saw some funny signs. It's just, it's a busy day. We see patients on both sides of the street. I took the long route, so I didn't have to deal with shouting and screaming. Kind of annoying, but not the end of the world. Hey, protesters, here's the retort to you. Health professionals are already very busy. So, uh, So there you go. I mean, I think that's as good an answer as we're going to hear. So Isaac, I'm going to ask you to say very quickly, hi, my name is, tell us what you do. I mean, we know what you do, but let's say it anyway. Yeah. So hi, my name is Isaac Bogosh. I'm an infectious diseases specialist. I'm based out of the Toronto General Hospital. I've been pretty involved in the COVID front from a clinical standpoint, research standpoint, and policy standpoint. Okay, here we go. Israel has been giving out COVID booster shots for months, and uh, we heard President Biden not too long ago announce that he was going to make third booster shots available to older Americans. What do you and other experts think of that? Like anything else, I think it's complicated. But if I was to summarize it in a few short sentences, I'd say, do we all need boosters right now? The answer is no, we don't. Will we all need boosters at some point in the future? The answer is, yeah, we probably all will. And do some of us need boosters right now? The answer is also yes, some of us do. If we're timestamping this conversation in September of 2021, I think that's a very accurate depiction of where we're at. Well, we know since Israel started, uh, you know, vaccinating large numbers of uh, older Israelis and President Biden said what he said, an expert review of evidence that was published in The Lancet this week concluded that the general population doesn't need booster doses right now. So break that down for us. Why is that? So I think it's important to recognize what these vaccines do and what they don't do. And that's an important part, right? We have to remember that these vaccines aren't really there to provide what we call sterilizing immunity. It's not a bulletproof vest, right? You can be vaccinated and fully vaccinated and still get COVID. We've known that since the initial clinical trials. There were people in the earliest clinical trials that were vaccinated that still got COVID. The real heavy lifting of these vaccines is to convert a potentially lethal infection into a much more mild infection. And the real heavy lifting is basically the vaccine effectiveness that we see against hospitalization, ICU stays, and death. And when we look at the data, it's pretty robust from multiple countries and multiple data sources demonstrating that, yeah, in general, they're about 90% effective 
in preventing severe outcomes. Yes, some data shows that it's a little higher, like 94, 95%. Some data is a little lower. But in general, these vaccines do a very, very good job preventing severe illness. So, you know, do we all need boosters? No, we don't. Do some people need boosters? Yeah, some people don't mount the same degree of an immune response and are not going to have that same effectiveness. They're not going to have that same protection against severe outcomes. Those individuals should be getting boosters. And to that end, Isaac, here in Canada, the NACI, the National Advisory Committee on Immunization, made some recommendations on third doses last week. What were those? It's not entirely complete. They basically defined who would be deemed immunocompromised. And they suggested that those individuals should get a third dose. And, you know, if you want to dig a little deeper, it's basically people with various types of cancers who are on various types of chemotherapies. It's people with organ transplantation. And then there's people who are on um, additional medications like biologic agents for underlying inflammatory conditions that can suppress the immune system. And I thought NASI did a very good job basically defining who they felt were immunocompromised and who would warrant a third dose. Would you add anyone to the list of people who should be getting a third uh, shot that maybe NASI missed? Yeah, I would add people who are on dialysis. I would, uh, for two reasons. One, we know that they just don't mount the same degree of an immune response. And for example, uh, we give people on dialysis a higher dose influenza vaccines. We give them double dose of hepatitis vaccines to help them mount an immune response. So number one, they are immunocompromised. And number two, remember, people who are getting dialysis are in a congregate setting. So they're often getting dialyzed with a lot of other people in the same indoor environment, often in close proximity. It often takes three to four hours at a time, and it happens three to four times a week. And what have the provinces been doing with these NACI recommendations? Now, specifically talking about the third dose, will the provinces just adopt the NACI recommendations? I think most provinces will probably not veer too far from this. And that's kind of what we've seen throughout COVID. So I wouldn't be surprised if they start programs for these immunocompromised individuals. And in addition to that, we're seeing provinces start to give third doses to those who also live in congregate care settings. Now, the goal of this document wasn't to talk about everybody who needs a third dose. They were to talk about which immunocompromised individuals need a third dose. It's also clear, and there's also emerging data, that frail elderly individuals, especially those in long-term care facilities, could benefit from a third dose. So a few provinces have started to vaccinate those in long-term care as well. I think we'll probably see some standardization, and maybe we'll hear from NACI about that as well. But in general, I think if we're giving third doses, to immunocompromised individuals who just don't mount the same degree of an immune response to the first two doses. And if we're also giving third doses to those who live in congregate care settings and long-term care settings, that's a very, very reasonable medical decision and public health decision to take at this point in time. Hey, maybe moving forward, that would be expanded. But as of September 2021, I think that's a very reasonable first step. Do we know how to measure whether you or I or other people, can we measure our immune response to know whether it's starting to wane? I think it's hard to do. I mean, we can. the, the easy answer there is, yeah, just go measure your antibodies to spike proteins. The problem with that is, does that actually tell the whole picture? And the answer is no. It probably tells us some of the picture, but not all of it. Uh, the other thing, too, is when we think about the varying labs that do this? Would you have any degree of standardization across a province or across the country? No, that would be very problematic as well. You know, what is the appropriate cutoff, for example? Uh, And the third issue is when you think about 
if you're going to make a policy, are you really going to have you know, 20 million people go and get an antibody test to determine if they should get a third dose of a vaccine? I think that would be a tremendous waste of resources. I think we could determine who would benefit from a third dose by having a broad umbrella to cover the vast majority of people. And maybe you make it a little overly broad to cover slightly more people than you actually need. But I think that umbrella is, is pretty reasonable for now. Do we have a clear idea right now how long the immunity lasts from the COVID vaccines that are currently in use? Well, I think it's pretty clear that they're good for at least six to eight months, probably longer. And again, I think it's important to recognize the metrics that matter. Are we looking at just swabbing everyone and finding genetic material in the back of the nose? No, I, I, I don't care about that. Are we looking at people that we're going to call this a breakthrough infection and, and get COVID even though they're vaccinated and have a very, very mild illness? Again, I think that's not really the metric that matters. I think the real metric that matters is looking at the effectiveness against preventing severe illness, hospitalization, and death. And, and ICU stay. I think those are the metrics that matter. Um, the whole goal, even from the beginning, was to convert a potentially lethal infection into the sniffles, not to eliminate this infection. And if the vaccines are continuing to really mitigate the severity of illness in the vast majority of people, then you don't have a global public health crisis anymore. You have a global nuisance. And that's a lot better. So you led us exactly where I wanted to go. How worried should we be about breakthrough infections at the present time? If we start to see breakthrough infections resulting in significant hospitalizations and deaths and ICU stays, I would be worried. But we're not seeing that. We're not. We're just not. These vaccines, currently, these vaccines are really holding up to the test of time. How well protected are double vaccinated people against the Delta variant? Against severe infection, it looks like we're really at between 85 to 95% effectiveness. And that's pretty impressive. I should remind people about vaccine effectiveness. Like, remember, we're talking about incredible numbers. Like, let's think about vaccine effectiveness for other respiratory viral infections, like influenza, right? We know every year flu vaccines are anywhere from 30 to 60% effective, right? That, and that's flu. And, and we still say, you know, you should really get the flu shot, and, and as you should. It's the best protection you've got. But, like, we're really talking with COVID-19 about incredible, incredible vaccine effectiveness. Like, I don't know if the general public is, is aware of how good these are. Like, this is way better than many people would have thought before those initial clinical trials came out for COVID-19 vaccines. So, yeah, I mean, when we're looking at preventing severe illness, the range is about 85 to 95%. Actually, the accurate rate, to be totally transparent, the range is about 85 to 99%. There's some data from Germany that just demonstrates like really, really significant effectiveness of these vaccines to prevent severe illness and death. When we talk about boosters, the booster that we'd be talking about today is really just another dose of the same vaccine we've already received. Some have suggested that we should wait until manufacturers can make a booster that that takes into account the newer variants of concern. What do you think about that? Brian, I'm so glad you brought that up. Like, that's a great point. We know that the virus has changed 
significantly since the earliest viruses emerged from Wuhan, China. And of course, there's different mutations along the way. If you don't need a booster, don't get a booster. It's as simple as that. There will be a time where we'll need a booster. Why not get it at the appropriate time? And hey, maybe we'll have a booster. Not maybe, I know these are in development. Why not get a booster that's better suited to the virus that you're going to be exposed to, not the virus from over a year and a half ago? Makes total sense. So they are in development. Yeah, yeah. Uh, most of the vaccine companies are making boosters that are tailored to the newer variants of concern. The beautiful thing with the mRNA vaccine technology is you just have to modify the mRNA component and it's it's kind of plug and play. I mean, the, the time is really spent doing the safety and immunogenicity studies. The actual time creating the vaccine will take nothing. I remember one of the most incredible stories of the pandemic was how quickly it took Moderna to create their initial vaccine that we're using now. From the time they got the genetic material of the virus to create the vaccine, it only took them about a couple of days <laughs> to, uh, to, to wow. make the vaccine. Yeah, it's, it's just remarkable. And, and you know, most of the time it took to develop the vaccine was spent doing phase one, phase two, and phase three clinical trials. So you can really uh, alter the vaccine in, in very, very short times, and you can mass produce them in very short times. I think it's also fair you have to do the uh, at least some safety data and immunogenicity data to determine if it's if it's going to be okay. But that's the rate limiting step, not the time it takes to create the vaccine. Isaac, you're watching new variants probably as closely as anyone. Are there any variants out there that would make you think, hmm, I'm, I'm thinking we might need a booster for that one? You know, the short answer is no, but a more nuanced answer is it's not what we see that makes me nervous. It's what we don't see that makes me nervous. There's pretty decent surveillance around the world. There's still the potential with unchecked viral transmission in many parts of the world that a variant will emerge that probably won't evade immunity, but will just chip away at it. We will likely see gradual erosion of vaccine effectiveness, not a variant that just completely eliminates vaccine effectiveness. And there's the mu variant that emerged in uh, South America. It doesn't appear to be taking over. It's certainly in many countries around the world. It's been detected here in, in Canada, but it doesn't appear to be taking over. There were some earlier concerns that perhaps this does evade immunity from natural infection or immunity from vaccination. There's been some subsequent studies that suggested that, you know, maybe it doesn't evade immunity as well. It was initially thought. I think there's still a lot of unanswered questions. That's why it's a variant of interest, not yet a variant of concern. But again, that's the one we know of. I'm more concerned about the ones we don't know of that are developing in places where the virus is really spreading unchecked. And really, this is why global vaccine equity is so important. We really have to get vaccines to every part of the world because it's the ethical and moral thing to do. And the other reason is it does curb the emergence of variants of concern, and it'll just end this pandemic faster. Is there any harm to getting a third dose? I know some people have been concerned about side effects. The side effects have fortunately been very, uh, very manageable in most cases to one or two doses of the vaccine. What about a third dose? I, I would be careful. I would. I mean, I think we have to acknowledge that mRNA vaccines do have side effects. The one that I'd be watching most closely is 
myocarditis and pericarditis, that's inflammation of the heart and inflammation of the lining around the heart. We know that that can occur with the mRNA vaccines. It's more common in younger cohorts, it's more common in men, and it's more common after a second dose. Uh, in fact, in the United Kingdom, when they're dealing with the 12 to 17-year-old crowd, they're only giving a single dose of mRNA vaccines instead of two doses, and they're going to watch this data closely. I can't look you in the eye and tell you what the true incidence is of myocarditis, because I don't think we really know, but it's one in several thousand, and different studies have different ranges. I think it's fair to say that the vast majority of these cases are really, really mild and self-resolve, and that's extremely important. But we don't know what the incidence of myocarditis would be after a third dose of a vaccine. I think that would be very helpful to know. And I also think, too, when you think about severe illness, of course, we know younger populations can get severe illness. It's just less common versus older populations. But when you think about the risk of severe illness in a younger population that's already had two doses of a vaccine, the risk of a severe outcome from COVID-19 infection is hovering at around 0%. It's not zero, but it's pretty close to 0%. So would a third dose in that population right now, I'm talking about September of 2021, have more potential side effects with myocarditis risk versus benefits, I think that needs to be strongly considered. We have to really have a good understanding of what is the risk, what is the benefit, what are the unknowns, and tread carefully. I know you've addressed it partly, but I want to give you another chance to kind of emphasize it. You know, a lot of people, or at least some people, are, are clamoring for a booster shot while a huge proportion of the world in developing countries have not had a single shot. So yeah. uh, how, you know, how important is it that we make sure that vaccine manufacturers are paying close attention to the countries that have very low vaccination rates because they haven't had much supply of vaccine? There's very valid medical and public health questions about who would benefit from a third dose. And I think those need to be addressed. And currently I have no problems with high income countries giving third doses to people that would truly benefit from third doses. And that currently includes immunocompromised individuals and frail elderly individuals. We should not be giving third doses to the general population because we don't have data to suggest that giving third doses to everybody is going to be beneficial at all at this point in time, maybe later on, but not right now. And of course, in addition to that, it's unconscionable to be giving third doses to huge segments of a population when there are truly billions and billions of people who are living in low-income countries and middle-income countries who have not yet received a first dose of a vaccine. We really, really need to support COVAX, the Global Vaccine Initiative, and get first doses in as many people as possible on planet Earth as we possibly can. It's the ethical thing to do, and it also ends the pandemic faster. Dr. Isaac Bogosh, thank you so much for speaking with me. My pleasure. Great to chat with you. You too. Bye-bye now. Have a good one. Dr. Isaac Bogosh is an infectious disease specialist at University Health Network in Toronto. 
He's also a member of Ontario's COVID-19 Vaccine Distribution Task Force. Here's your dose of smart advice. Right now, most experts are not recommending a COVID booster. That's because current vaccines are highly effective at preventing severe COVID symptoms, hospitalization, and death. COVID vaccines offer 85 to 90% effectiveness against the Delta variant. We know that the protection from current vaccines lasts at least six to eight months and probably longer. And any loss of effectiveness is likely to be gradual, not sudden. Doctors recommend booster shots only to those who are immunocompromised and possibly to frail seniors. Boosters carry some risks. The main one is pericarditis or myocarditis, inflammation of the heart or the lining of the heart, both of which are more common in younger males. Before giving people in Western nations booster shots, it's more equitable to save those doses for people in low-income countries who have yet to get their first shot. That's good for developing countries and good for developed nations because it reduces the emergence of new COVID variants. Here's an update since we recorded our interview with Dr. Bogosh. This week, the British government announced that it accepted advice from that country's Joint Committee on Vaccination and Immunization and would offer a third dose of the COVID vaccine to anyone over 50, younger adults with health conditions, and frontline health and care workers who've gone at least six months since receiving their second shot. We'll continue to follow the booster story very closely. If you have questions about today's episode or topics you'd like covered, tweet me at NightShiftMD or at CBC Podcasts or at CBC Whitecoat using the hashtag TheDoseCBC. You can email us at thedose at cbc.ca. You can find The Dose and White Coat Blackheart wherever you get your podcasts. If you give us five stars, more people will find us. This edition of The Dose was produced by Rachel Sanders. Technical operations were by Laura Antonelli. Our senior producer is Colleen Ross. The Dose wants you to be better informed about your health. But if you're looking for medical advice, see your health care provider. I'm Dr. Brian Goldman. Until your next dose. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.